0: It would have been a horrible loss, but woulda, shoulda, coulda, it wound up being a terrific victory. We were talking about two teams with opposite records going into that game, 3-8, and 8-3. Eight, eight and three. Bears very much improved. Bears with a ferocious defense playing like the old monsters of the midway. And uh, it was a very good win. And you know what, Paulie? It was the opposite of the week before. When I say the opposite of the week before, in that Eagles game, what happened? The Eagles had a play at the end of the first half. uh, Well, two plays. They drove for a touchdown, then the interception. It all worked in their favor momentum-wise. At the end of the first half in this game, there was a pass, there was a run, there was a 57-yard field goal, momentum changes. Giants played their asses off for 27 and a half minutes in that second half, stumbled there for the last two and a half minutes, regrouped in overtime. So it was like the rever- reversal
1: of fortune. But bottom line is they won a game and they've won three out of the last four. Well, Russ, um, we talked about this in the box. I think you, Fegels, and myself, uh, as the second quarter was winding down. And, and I'm of the belief that most people. Underrate the final two minutes oh, of the first half. I
0: couldn't agree with you, more. it is
1: a critical possession. And I don't understand why there's not more thought and more emphasis placed on it. But a lot of folks just seem to think, oh, you know, under the first half, and it's like a throwaway time. And if you squeeze a couple points out, great. No, no, you can't think of it that way. The end of the first half must be considered a pivotal moment in the game because either A, you know you're going to get the ball to start the third quarter, which means you'll have two consecutive possessions to score on your opposition, or B, you have one last chance to put points on the board before the other team gets it to start the third quarter. You you cannot ever, in my opinion, overemphasize the importance of the final two minutes of the second quarter. And so I'm glad for the Giants they were able to make use of it. Rosas kicking a fifty seven yard field goal, longest in Giants history. And he had it by a few yards too, Russ. Well,
0: I'll tell you what, he the young man looks like money. He 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 really is. Uh I mean here here's a young man. Listen, it was his first year in the league last year. A lot was going on, I believe. He had a child. I, he had, You know, he weighs heavily on your, on your mind. That's well, a you're big a, lifestyle you're change. You're a young guy. He had a, you know, became a father. A lot was going on. Whatever the case, he's comfortable this year. And uh, he's really been money in the bank. I mean, he's he's been not good. He's been outstanding. Solid as a rock. And and that's what, you know what? Um, Oh this is terrible. It's, it's, I'm drawing a complete well, he, No 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 I'm drawing a complete blank. Uh, about um, him? Rosas? No 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 our, our money field goal kicker the, with the team that won uh, the second Super Bowl. Oh Matt Bar? He he's bigger and stronger obviously than Matt <laughs> Yes. <Barr. laughs> uh, and and he's got more of a distance but Bar was Matt was, was very
1: u- clutch. Very much money. money. Inside of fifty, money in the bank. And when you needed it too. Yeah, in bad weather, good weather, whatever. That's why I was thinking about Rojas. Uh, don't forget a in the eighty six season. Yeah. He was, he was pretty no, darn clutch but, that season too. Yeah. But but really, uh Aldrich's been terrific. Lawrence so. Lawrence Tynes? <laughs> no, they've no, had no. some pretty clutch kickers but, over but, the years.
0: Aldrich's got a big leg and You know, what's exciting about him is that he's only in his second year.
1: You know what I love about Rosas? uh, And and let me make something very clear. Last year, when he missed, what, five or six field goals, had one blocked, and people were getting on his case, and a lot of folks didn't even want to bring him back. Listen, not only was he a rookie and he had to learn through things, and he also had the lifestyle change with the baby, but the other thing you have to understand is he came from a small school, all right, in the Northwest. I mean, he came out of nowhere. And was not even originally recruited as a kicker. So this is a guy who had very little experience. And then he comes to the NFL, and this is an overwhelming situation to be in. Not just in the NFL, but he's in New York. Okay? Lucky for him, the Giants were not a good team last year. So he was actually allowed to make those rookie mistakes and learn on the job. Because if his missed field goals last year, Russ, had cost him a playoff spot. Right he probably wouldn't have been around this year. Right. They probably would not have had patience with him, and it would have been the end of the line. But because they were such a poor team, and his missed field goals really did not amount to anything except to be used in a positive way so that he could learn from those things. Well, look what happened. Yeah, he learned.
0: Yeah, look, either way, he's whatever the deal was, he's been solid as a rock. Call him money cause he has been money and uh like i said giants just won there uh third out of the last four i mean can't look back you got to look forward but it's a shame it it, it would have been fun if this had been four in a row out of the gate you know and then you, you
1: mean like if he had had a chance at the 62 yarder in philadelphia yeah, at the well, end of the game like <laughs> he should have had yeah well Should've, would've, could've. It didn't happen.
0: I know. So, so it's the end of that. What do you say we open up the phone lines? 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go to our buddy Dylan in Canton, New York. Hey, Dell, how you doing today, pal? You're on with Russ and Paulie Dots.
2: Hey, good afternoon. How are you guys? You're good.
0: How you doing? You're a little happy today, aren't you?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Except uh, Sunday, I was getting a little nervous, though. There towards the end. Uh,
0: you weren 't alone, buddy boy. Let me tell you that <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, i was I was thinking, you know, here we go. we just like when we played Philly it was we had a nineteen to three lead. I thought we were going to blow it again, and I was like, oh no, I'm feeling deja vu, but luckily, we held on in overtime. I was uh counting counting my prayers and everything there. Um, I wanted to bring up um, a year ago today that Ben McAdoo was fired and you know, I know a lot of people were uh, throwing Shermer under the bus this year saying, I don't think he's the right coach and all this. But I think these last four games especially have proven that Shermer's able to, you know, he's, he's kept the locker room. He's kept the players um, together, and they've been focused on winning and sticking together, you know, um, making sure there's no quit in the team. And I think and, – and it's been, you know, last year was – a down year this year is another down year, but I, I can see and totally tell that there's a huge difference um, in morale and um, just everything from last year to this year. It's a lot better this year.
0: Well, I, I, and, th- I think Paul would, dis- would would agree with me. I not, almost said disagree. Paul would agree. It, it's a completely different situation than last year. Uh, I would just disagree with you on one thing, Dylan. You know what? Forget the fact that they've won three out of the four out of the gate you know, in his second half where, you know, they wanted to go eight 0 or or that was the goal. But even when <laughs> they were one and seven, Sherman was still the same Shermer. He was still coaching and the guys were still giving still giving the effort, Sherman would bristle every time something was brought up, he would get pissed off. Sh- Sherman would really get angry when people would suggest you want to question play, you want to question this, you want to question that, fine. Don't question my player's effort. He he was yeah, yeah. Ad, he was adamant about oh, that. They've been
1: put putting out every yeah. single week, yeah. and I and I will say this: here's here's why this season is so different than than other losing seasons because this team is growing together. They are getting better. They are gelling. They are building character, maturity. Look at the look at the core guys on this team, Russ. They've all got some of their best football ahead of them. And that's the beauty of this Giants team right now. Because they overturned the roster to such a degree, they have a much younger team this year than they had last year. And moving forward, there is a lot of reason for hope that with an additional season of more players and tweaks between the draft and free agency, I I don't even want to think about how good the Giants could be next season.
0: Yeah, l- listen, no one's belly aching the last few weeks about the offensive line, am I correct, Dylan? I mean, all, yeah. all of a sudden, there's cohesiveness, some chemistry going on. You know, that was a that was a pretty formidable defense that they were facing. They came in with yeah. the, the best. They Keep came in. Back. They came in with the, the, you know Khalil Mack, the defensive player of the year in the league, at one
1: point. Yeah, okay. he's not anymore.
0: Okay, but you know, he's yeah. listen. The bottom line is, if he's not the best, he's certainly one of your best pl- defensive players in the league. And you know that offensive line. Did a little more than hold their own, so uh, you're you're right, Dil. We we all agree as always, buddy. Thank you for the call. All right, okay. What do you say we head out to uh, Long Island and check in with Jeff? Hello, Jeff. You're
3: on with Russ and Paulie Dots. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, Hi. Yeah, it's it's nice to come off the win, and and I felt a a, a bit up uh, regarding the situation I saw this past weekend, and and that's with. You know, with all the pundits and the media calling out Eli and saying saying that we needed a a young and mobile quarterback. You you
1: mean many of them? Don't say yeah. all, because there were those of us who were totally against that philosophy.
3: Okay, I, I stand corrected. <laughs> so, so I, I think the Giants actually showed us this past weekend that we have a, a young and mobile quarterback. You know, when uh, when uh, when the situation is needed. And uh, and I'm sort of tongue in cheek with this, with OBJ getting you yeah. know, his pass off. <laughs> but but think about it. Um, uh, Eli uh, took a handoff from Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner was number thirteen. Eli's number ten, and now OBJ number thirteen. It seems like it's kismet there, but. Uh, the, the thing about, and I want to get a little bit more serious about this. I, is, I, do do it, us a
0: favor, Jeff. Get a lot more serious.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay. is um, Regarding uh, Kyle Aletta because a lot of people are saying, well, he needs at least a half or he needs a game or whatever it is to be evaluated this season. So uh, the way I look at it, I, I, I see uh, the way New Orleans works it out. When Drew Brees, I, when, when New Orleans came to New York, uh, Drew Brees was subbed for Taysom Hill uh, for uh, a few key plays, and in, sp- in fact, uh, uh, plays in the red zone. And in fact, I, I believe Drew-, Drew Brees was not on the sideline, but he was sort of uh, in formation, just all the way on the outside. But but Taysom Hill, you know, was there for a few plays. And the point being is that why do we need a half? Why do we need a full game? for Kyle Oletta when he can possibly have some cameo appearances, well, you know, well, well, for, and keep some continuity in the game without having to say, you know, this is it. You know, we need him in a half or we need him well, for the full game. J- and, j- maybe j- they can sort of integrate him in some key moments no, no, in the no, game. No, Jeff, you're
0: not, first of all, listen, I, I get what you're saying. You, you're not going to integrate him in to put him in in a key point in the game okay you're talking about and I don't mean to disparage Kyle I like Kyle Loretta he you're talking about a fourth round quarterback that's coming from Richmond okay he's not a second round quarterback coming from USC
3: or Notre Dame Okay. And I understand that. Well okay, what yeah, I'm I, I, saying is rather than like uh, Jeff, can I finish keeping him ready for that big moment for a full game or a half a game or whatever the case may be, it doesn't have to be a key moment. It could be an, a, 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 a middling to key moment. Jeff, you're not going to learn
0: anything from a middling to key moment, okay? The, <laughs> he, he, here is the point. The point is this. And first of all, when you say a lot of the people, no, it's not a lot of the people. It's a few people in the media who have an agenda. They they got their shorts, all in a knot, for for they want the narrative to be who's the next quarterback, okay?
3: I understand. And the narrative. And, was, I, I, and I am Jess, in full I agreement because I am an Eli fan, and okay. I would like to see him end his career uh way off in the distance, and, and, and still be a productive member of this team. Well, I'll tell you what. The man All said, I'm saying is that if, if we're going to reserve a half of a game or a full game... We're if, not if reserving what people anything! Are talking about.
0: Jeff, Jeff, forget what people are talking about. I don't know what you're talking about when you say people are talking about. As, as we just said, there are a few people in the media who have this narrative. Don't make it the majority, there are a few people who make this narrative, and it, quite frankly, it's gotten out of control. Thanks very much for the call, but it has gotten out of mm-hmm. control. I, I it, think it's Kyle Loletta. He's the fourth-round pick. You, you know, nobody says he's the heir apparent. He's the guy. We. It is not a must that we find out right now if he's the next guy. Because you know what? The, you know what? The, the most important thing to find out right now to the end of the season is to make sure. Eli is your guy for next year. That is the most important thing to find out.
1: Yes, and I agree with that, Russ, for sure. I think, unfortunately, uh, it was Jason, right? Was the caller's name? I apologize. Jeff, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, here's the problem. You're you're, you're wanting to to discuss a a false pretense that has been perpetrated by a bunch of writers who, who are just throwing stuff out there for clickbait purposes. Let me, it's it's let me ridiculous no to thing. even have it's, that type of let's discussion. Not,
0: let's not even say a bunch. It's a handful of writers. You know, There's a, three or four of them.
1: All right, now, but on top of that, here's the thing. Taysom Hill, to, to let's just say that it's a valid discussion, and I'm not sure that it is, but let's just say it is. Taysom Hill from the Saints is a jack-of-all-trades. He's a Swiss Army utility knife. OK, because he will run an option, he will he will go out and catch a pass, he will run an end around. Uh, there are a lot of things you can do with Taysom Hill because he's a special teams demon who has a versatility uh, that very few quarterbacks can bring to the table. Kyle Oletta, for all that he is as a nice guy and as a capable quarterback at Richmond and a guy who was draftable in the NFL, does not have... The athletic, wide variety of skills that Taysom Hill brings to the table for the Saints. And Sean Payton, being a very creative head coach, sees Taysom Hill. It was Mike Westoff, his special teams coach, who went to him and said, Listen, we got to get this guy in the field. He is a great talent, a skilled football player who can do a bunch of stuff. Use your creative mind and see what we can cook up for him. So they got a whole bunch of gadget plays in their playbook for Taysom Hill. But but Kyle Loletta is not Hill. He's not. Exactly. And so my debate with you isn't the false pretense or premise that some writers have put out there about when do you program Loletta to be in a game and how much do you give him, blah, 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 blah. Russ is right. This is all about making sure that Eli's the guy Clearly. for next season.
0: That that was okay. the most important thing going into the second half of the season. That Coach Shermer, GM Dave Kettleman, ownership, everybody needed to find out or needs to find out because he PR still short, have it.
1: Is he the guy? And he does. All right. From so, what we're seeing, so that's that part of the discussion. The other part of your point, again, Hill is a Swiss Army knife in a in a, uh, in a situation where they use gadget plays. That's not what Loretta is. So I'm going to knock down that point on you, but I'm, I'm doing it in a way I hope you understand. Coach Marv in Delaware. How you doing today, Coach? You're on with Russ and Paulie. How
4: you doing, Russ and Paul? What do you uh, say, what, what's Coach? What's
0: going on, Coach? Yeah,
4: I was just listening to the last caller. Uh, it's... It- Eli's going to be the quarterback next year. That, that that's, you can see that's happening.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I always said that he's a play-action guy, and if you notice in the last four games, <laughs> uh, look at look around Eli's feet. There are not a lot of people around this.
1: That's right.
4: And when you when he's when he's that clean, which most good quarterbacks are. When he's that clean, he's productive. And when he, when you're getting guys in his face, you're getting guys up front where he can't step up, then you, you may run into some issues with him. But he is showing you that I can still play this game.
1: You know what, Coach Marvin? In the worst way, I wish you would move here to the New York metropolitan area <laughs> and become one of the writers on the New York Giants beat because they could certainly use your insights.
4: Well, you know, writers want to uh, sell their stories. So nah, the, the the clickbait I
1: generation, I know.
4: Yeah, and with the Kyle Leta thing, um, if I'm coaching, sometimes what I had, I, obviously, I had two or three guys that could play quarterback. I had my main guy that was that was like a coach on the field, and I had guys that I was groomed. But those guys that I was grooming. Um, I can only put them in in certain times of the game. And and what happens is that game has two options for me, for them to get in and play. The only reason they're going to play is just in case my quarterback goes down. And in my case, I have to coach that way. I'm not in the NFL. Right. But he's only getting in the game if I'm getting blown out or I'm blowing somebody out. I am not playing quarterbacks in situational – um, plays, like they're looking like, well, Lauletta should play in the second half. That is the craziest thing you could do to a team, is to put keep subbing guys out because you want to know if this young guy can play. And and they was competing. And that's what it's about. It's about competing. And when you compete, you compete with your best 11 guys on offense and your best 11 guys on defense. Uh,
0: hey, Coach, you, you know this. um what, one and seven was a disaster, okay? We, we know that the first half. They came out with the attitude, okay, we want to try and win. That's As, as Odell said, we want to try and win all eight. Well, okay, they've won three of the last four. It's not all eight. They can't win all eight. But they came out using the exact terminology that you just said. They came out wanting to compete. And they want to go out each week trying to win a game. When people look at them... I, well, I was in the locker room, I think it was yesterday, uh, somebody had said to me, I, I couldn't be there yesterday, somebody had said, uh, they asked, posed a question to um, Sterling Shepard about, well, you know, you, you can't make the playoffs. Now, realistically, you'd have to say that. Mathematically, that's not the case, okay? Right. And players... Bristle at that, especially when they just won three out of four, they just came off a very good win, you know, against a good team. They don't want to hear that. They want to compete. So they're not interested in in anything else but competing and putting the best foot forward, as Coach likes to say, giving them their best – putting them in a position to win a game.
4: Right. And and you got to remember a lot of times everybody that's not part of the organization – or part of the coaching staff or not playing, which puts us as writers and fans. We we make decisions based on there's no consequences for us. So we can say and do whatever we <laughs> want. And so I can say, Oh yeah, we're gonna we need to stop winning games so we can get a good draft pick. Why can I say that? Because there's no consequences in me saying that. But if I'm coaching that, that's there's consequences to trying to Think that way,
0: You know, coach,
4: so, when you're on the outside looking in, you can think any way you want because you don't have the consequences to pay for what you're thinking or what you want to do.
0: You know what, so, Co- Co- coach, uh, you made a great point about people on the outside as opposed to people on the inside with the team. There are never consequences unless you're betting on a game. There are never consequences. It's always easy to be big with, for me to be big with your money if it's your team. I can tell you what to spend because it's not coming out of my pocket. And if it screws up, it's not coming, you know. I didn't screw it up. You did because you made the move. You're very well said, coach. Right. Anything else?
4: Yeah, last two things. I thought the team played well. The first half, I thought the defense, um, they were losing containment quite a bit to the outside or the edges. And that concerns me still because we still are doing that. But overall, I thought the team played well, especially special teams. All phases of special teams this year is probably one of the best uh, special teams, overall special teams, that I've seen the Giants have in years. I agree. And- and the last thing is, Paul wanted me to talk about, uh, last week, man, Paul talked about tackling. And they did a better job this week, They Paul. sure I did, didn't they? 17 missed tackles. Five of those was on special teams. Yeah. It was uh, They had one play. Um, Chicago had one return of those five missed tackles. Four missed tackles happened. I think that was, like, their second
1: That's correct. Um,
4: return. But... Yeah, that wasn't bad. 17 missed tackles, five of those 17 were from the special
1: team. Now, on defense, but, still that's 12, Marvin, and that's still too high. As I told you last week, double digits are not good. The problem is, earlier in the year, that number was more like 17 on defense, 18 on right. defense. At least right. the defensive numbers started to come down a little bit. But, but, right. but that's still not good enough. It, it needs to be down to about seven.
4: Well, I understand what you're saying, but the reason I say that number is not that bad because the pursuit was well. Because I've got right, quite a few I understand. Of those tackles where a guy missed them, but the second guy was right, was right there. Yeah. Up. Yeah. So I'm not going to kill them, but you're right. Double digits is bad. But that number, you got to look at the, the pursuit was very well done. So as soon as uh, somebody missed that tackle there was somebody there to clean it up right away. So it wasn't a
0: lot of yards after those Smith uh, All right, Coach, as always buddy, right, thank you all very right, much. You, be back here whenever you want to call. 201-939-4513 is the number. Again, got to remind everybody, Big Blue Kickoff Live here is, as always, presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Let's go down to Virginia a. and check in with Sergeant James Kennedy. Sarge, you are on with Russ and Paul. Is it Sergeant in the uh, police force or in the military?
5: Uh, in the military. U.S. Army, retired as of July this year. Uh,
0: thank you for uh, your service. You we for appreciate it. Thank Sarge. How you doing?
5: Oh, I'm good. Uh, nice to talk to y'all, and I appreciate y'all letting me on the air. Thank y'all for what y'all do. Um, Russ and Paul. Uh, yeah, quick thing. Um, I, I just want to give praise to the you know what the Giants are doing now, don't giving up and I believe still believe in Eli no matter what nobody says. He's the quarterback. Um and the resilience of this team is something else the way they've been playing. I watched that Chicago game and, you know, watch it start off real good and let them hold their own. If you know, we can just keep that up, we're gonna be all right. And I love for one time favorite, you know, in one game you know, when sometimes these uh, NFL network analysts talk about, you know, how bad it is on the Giants or whatever, but you know, give us a little little light, you know, because they, they, they said we didn't have no chance of winning this game. Um, and I, I, the offense is doing real great. Uh, defense is catching up. And uh, Barkley is something else. The way that, uh, I'm going to say him and the line, you know, and the offense are just pulling, you know, doing what they have to do. You know, to me, they look like a playoff team right now, well,
0: but uh, I, I, I'll tell you something about Barkley, Sarge. Uh, each and every week, not not even I'll even say every day, because guys like myself and Paul get to see him, you know, every day. I ha- I've said this before. I will say it again. I have not seen a rookie in any sport in this town, anyway in all my years in the business, come in with so just a guy who gets it. I'll even include the captain, Derek Jeter. I, I mean, and that's high praise. Saquon is so sure of himself. He knows what to say. He knows how to act off the field. He knows how to perform on the field. This young man is the entire package. And if you watch him, with his teammates, at this young age, he is without question one of the leaders on the team. It, it's really remarkable to see.
5: Yeah, that yeah, that is so true, Russ. Um, but as I said, if they can just keep what they're doing the rest of the year and just go on with it. But they, they found what they were missing, I think, in the offense and defense, as it says, catching up. They can just play, you know, just like they're doing, don't really mess uh, touch it up a little bit. But just, you know, take out the bad plays to the good. But um, I, I tell you, I'm always a fan, and I love no matter what, you know, to see them guys progress. And I'm going to try to go to that skins, uh, Skins-Giants skins game when they come to Washington.
1: On Sunday. Uh, On Sunday,
5: yeah. Yeah, I don't care how I get there if I have to walk there from Richmond. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm well, I hear sure there could be a is, storm but... coming in, so be careful now. <laughs> You know, it's fun. It's funny, uh, Sergeant, because uh, honestly, when you look at this team and you look at how they've improved since the bye week, and you understand that the core of this team has gotten a lot younger over the past twelve months, and you also understand that Dave Gettleman has a very aggressive, assertive, and concrete plan for the kinds of guys he wants on this roster moving forward. There, there's really no other way to look at it other than to say the Giants are an improving club that has a lot of reasons to be optimistic moving forward.
5: Yes, that's true. And I, like that saying goes with the uh, the coach that had cancer, said never give up. And that's what I think the Giants are doing right now. They're, they're just not giving up. They're playing hard. And a lot of these teams, I, I think they don't really understand what the Giants are doing. they thinking they're supposed to just say, okay, y'all can score all you want. And even with the Philly game, you know, I thought for sure we we're gonna win that game. But still, you know, I think Philly didn't know what was coming when they got, you know, got on that field and seen the way the Giants were playing. But as I said, as long as they keep they doing what they're doing, I'm I'm believing in, as I said, Eli, the whole Giants organization. And I appreciate what y'all do. I will get offline.
0: All right, so, Sarge, thanks you for the call. And
5: have a merry Christmas. You, you too. too buddy. Be safe
0: and call again, pal. Call again. Thank you, Sergeant James Kennedy from Virginia. What do you say we go to Connecticut and check in with Marco? Marco, how you doing today? You're on with Russ and Paul.
6: Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Hi. How you doing? Hey, good stuff today. I mean, there's so many different things that are popping up as I'm on hold that I would love to talk about, but um, I'll stick to my points. I, I just, the one thing you said about Eli, and the, I agree so much with um, what's out there and the narrative that some people tried to paste. but I will say this going forward. Uh, I, I hope Eli's a quarterback next year. And the best way, Paul and Russ, you know this, to eliminate any of Klitschey or narratives, is to just win, just win. As long as he wins, as long as the team does well, it's going to um, it's going to validate everything that Shermer, Gettleman, and ultimately Eli are doing. And you can't def- and you can't defend that.
1: Well, uh, you know you know what, Marco. Uh, the other thing you can do besides win games here down the stretch, make sure in the off season that you continue to fortify and enhance that mm-hmm. offensive line. That's the 100%, 100%. other thing you can do because then 100%. they'll still keep winning right into that 2019 season. You know, don't neglect the O-line. That's how they got into this mess in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I, Paul, I can okay, go with so many different ways. but that's, <laughs> I, was,
6: I was talking to my brother today about the draft, and we were saying how we would love to draft a great pass rusher first round. And then, honestly, every round after that, I don't care if they, they uh, dedicate it to the offensive line. Um, here, here's what I wanted to talk about. Speaking of the offensive line, um, what what has changed? If you guys could go in depth on this, what has changed lately with with Nate Solder? I noticed um, his plays improved. I don't know if that's a result of the entire line improving, but you know, at times he he is out there on an island. So as far as uh, his play, what's changed? Is there been um, a change with with uh, coaching as far as his technique, um, you know, because I read something recently yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of. I read something recently that that picked me off to this that he is uh, blocking, and doing things similarly that he did no, no, in New England. Mar- However, Mar- Marco, what was that, diff-
0: excuse me, mm. that that's been the case all season long. Let, let, Go ahead.
1: Let him finish, though. He, I think, I know where Here, he's going. Go ahead, Marco.
6: He's doing he's doing
1: things similarly that he did in New
6: England. Uh, a big difference in, that people have not talked about were that, uh, I, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was like the the amount of steps, yeah, bro, the drop steps that Brady would take compared to what Eli was doing. No, what, what uh, or, or, but, or, or maybe he's still doing. I don't no, know. No, Marco,
0: but, what, what what we were talking about, and, and Paul and I discussed this quite a few times. Okay. The difference with Brady—that's where I thought you were going. The difference with Brady and, and Eli, certainly. Let's say Eli, the first half of the season, uh-huh. Solder's playing the same way, but Brady would be able to step up in the pocket if somebody was coming around and there was mm-hmm. room in the front of in the pocket for him to step up. The first half of the season, there was no place for Eli to step up. Or when he did step up, he had somebody in his face, and he was getting knocked on his ass. Now there's mm-hmm. room. Which you're asking what the difference is? There's a cohesiveness. You first of all, Pulley is now at center. Okay, I, I certainly do think
1: he's Paul been part is,
0: of it. That, that that's part of it. Will Hernandez is getting better. Uh, Brown is a huge Jamon Brown is a huge yeah. improvement. Huge improvement. There's your answer. Um. Uh, thank you.
6: Thank you for taking me through that. Yeah, no. Here's here's one more question I had. I, I wanted to see what you guys thought about this. Uh, Shermer, it's his offense. It's the and he's calling the plays. Yes. I wanted to know just around the NFL, <clears throat> how many um, coach head coaches are actually calling the offense? I know Andy Reid does, and people usually point to him first. Um, the reason I'm asking is, I. I'm usually pulling a direction of where I don't want the head coach calling the plays. We agree. I don't. Okay. Now, so I think it's I think it's obviously doable, but he's a, he's um, let's call him a first year head coach. I know he's not, but whatever happened in Cleveland, and he's calling the plays. Um, so who's still doing this around the NFL? And do you think this is something that's going to continue here? And do you think it's something that could be sustainable? All right. Thank you,
1: guys. Okay. Thanks, Marco. Okay. I'll let you All answer right.
4: that.
1: Well, well, you have uh, you have a bunch of guys like Sean Payton. You have McVay out with the Rams who does it. Uh, Bruce Arians was doing it with the Cardinals there for a while. Uh, he's now retired. Um, but, yes, there have been – Andy Reid certainly at times has done it too. But um, well, he does it. Well, yeah, okay. not always. There were okay. times where he didn't oh, always do okay. it. But over his career, he's done it for the most part. Um Here's the thing. In my opinion, the game is so complex. There is so much going on. In my opinion, I would prefer that the head coach does not call the plays. And I've said this forever. I said it before Coach McAdoo took the giant job. I said it before Coach Schirmer took the giant job. And I'm not budging on that. I'm old school. I think the head coach should not call the plays, period. Now, there have been. I, I think the number right now is something like eight coaches in the league that do it, Russ. I don't have the list. I, I You know what? I'm going to try to get that list for you for the next time I'm on the show. And, and there have been some guys who have been successful at it. I understand that. It is my preference because I think more often than not, you will find out that the guys who do call the plays do not have as high a, a percentage of success. It's my opinion. No, no, I,
0: I, I, don't know, so I can't respond to
1: that. But, but my problem too, Russ, is I'm an old school guy, and I, and I was brought up, and I, and I cut my teeth under Bill Parcells, and under Dan Reeves, and under Tom Coughlin, and these were guys who are some of the greats of the greats, and oh, they I, never
0: called plays. See, when you said old school, I figured Jim Lee Howell and Alexander. All right, Turner. wise guy,
1: you are older <laughs> than me, you know. Just remember that.
0: No, I l- listen, I don't know. I'm not I'm not going to say um I don't like the head coach calling it. I listen, if it works it's great. I, I, I like t- to me there's no hard and fast rule. I think it can work for
1: some people, it doesn't work for other people. I I just uh, that's just the way I am. Here's a partial list. I found one on online. Jay Gruden in Washington. Um mm-hmm. uh, Bill O'Brien with the Texans is another one who does. Sean Payton, Andy Reid. Um looks like uh and Mike Mike Zimmer with the Vikings, is he doing it right now? I don't know if he still is. Right. But but so yeah, there are there are some guys who have done it and in a given year, those guys might win a bunch of games. But let me ask you this, Russ. How many head coaches who called their own plays have won a Super Bowl outside of Sean Payton? I'm not sure there is another one.
0: Uh, I I mean I don't know how far we're going back. I mean you're going back to Lombardy.
1: Well no no yeah, but, but Lombardi didn't call his own plays. I, I don't know.
0: I, I don't know what was going on then. I mean you, you know and and, and also
1: uh, y- y- I mean he designed the playbook but but Bart Starr was out there. You don't handle well, the things. But that,
0: that again, so you, so you have a quarterback calling the plays. I mean, you had that going on. then. Too. The world has changed. So the world has changed. I, I don't know if it's working or it's not. We just know that you're getting old. That's all we know, Paul. Yeah, I, I okay. appreciate that. Thank right, you so buddy. much. Let's go to Jimmy in, <laughs> in, in, in Rose Hill. Jimmy, how you doing today, buddy? You're on with Russ hey, and Hey, guys. Paul. How are you? Good. What's going on, Jim?
7: <clears throat> well, first of all, if you, have, uh, if you had Chase Edmonds in your fantasy league this weekend, you scored two touchdowns for the Cardinals. But anyway... I digress. How okay. you guys doing? Okay. All right. How are you? <laughs> um, you know, again, as somebody said earlier, there's, there's an awful lot to, to talk about. Um, but one of the things I want to say right off the bat, again, to you guys and to all your colleagues, what's great about your station is a, you can get through, <laughs> which is a big deal because you get we get us people out here, we get to talk to you guys, <laughs> and, and b, <laughs> b, you can actually have a reasonable conversation about. The topic and the, the 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 thing that we're all the most interested in, which is the Giants. If you want soap opera, pick up the newspaper. You know, there was this guy today in the Daily News. The Daily News is under trouble, so I understand why you had these headlines. But you know what? If you watch the coach's press conference. I know who this, we know who this columnist is because he makes his way on TV as well. You recognize his voice. This guy's got an agenda about Eli. He wants, he wants Shermer to come out and tell him and, therefore, tell the world, you know, what his quarterback plans are. And right now, hey, Shermer's— Hey,
0: good for you. <laughs> <laughs> <But> Sher-
7: <laughs> Sher- Unfortunately, you've now given him— this team you- and winning yeah. games. as you- I said to the guys yesterday, yeah. the stage that the Giants are in right now— um, coming off more bad seasons than good over the last five or six years. You gain nothing by losing these games. You have to win these games, and that's what Sherm is focused on. And these people, whether it's this columnist or people who, who are lamenting, oh, we're going to move from 5 to 12 if we lose this game. Who cares? You, gotta, you just got to win. You got to keep building this culture. And you know what? If you don't get the five pick, and you're not in love with a quarterback that you can move back up at 12, you know what? If, if they decide to have a run on these, on, all the, on these three or four quarterbacks that people are talking about, good defensive players could drop down to them at 12. And you know what? They've got Eli coming back next year if they don't draft the quarterback. You've made improvements in your offensive line. You've got to make more improvements in your offensive line, because I know Gettleman is going to do that. And you know what? At 12, maybe we get that outstanding pass rusher. Maybe we get that cornerback that, that we need. I mean, this team still needs a lot of things, but what it needs more than anything is wins. They've got to win, and you've got to develop that, that, uh, that culture of winning. So anyway, well, know, you, I'll get off. I'll get no, off No, no, so, no,
6: And
7: and Paul, let me let me ask you a question. I mean, and I'm glad that people are talking about it. I tell you, this 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 transformation of the offensive line. As an ex-offensive lineman, it's a it's a wonderful thing to watch. I understand they're not finished, but I mean Jesus. I mean, um, you know the way these guys have played since the break, it's like night and day. I mean, I, we all, we've talked about a couple of the guys, but, but boy, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing to watch.
5: Well, and the, the, uh, the,
7: I thought they did a. I I thought they were the unspoken. Um, I mean, you guys have spoken about it, but you can't read about it. or see it on TV. They played a hell of a game um, Sunday against, against a, a terrific defense with a lot of really good football players. And, I was telling the guys yesterday when I called, and I was actually making notes during the game. There was a period of time between, like, the middle of the first quarter into, like, right up until halftime with the with the Barkley run, where I wrote down to myself, uh-oh, because they were, they were not playing well. Eli was getting rushed. Um, you know, Barkley had a couple of nice runs, but for the most part, from that second period, and the Bears came on, and the Bears went up 14-7. I'm saying to myself, oh, man. And then they came out in the second half, and and it was like they – were a major, major contributor to how that game ultimately unfolded. And um, all kudos to them. And, um, Paulie, I'd just like to get, you know, your thoughts uh, on their play. I mean, we've talked about different players, but I think their play in general has been – it's just been off the charts. I thought. Well, I mean, they got improvements, but they've been off the charts.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would say this. There's no question that this fourth edition of the offensive line has been the best one, without without a doubt. I mean, anybody could see that even with their eyes half closed. But I would also say this: not only is it this edition or this collection of players, it's the maturity of Will Hernandez, without who has question. grown rapidly. Into yeah. a terrific left guard from a prospect, Absolutely. he's now the real thing. Okay, yeah. He's people aren't
7: talking, and it's great about it. The fact that people aren't talking about him, you is, know, is is indicative of just he's out there just road grading, doing his job, uh, and learning his craft. What it's, I would—it's an incredible uh, maturity to watch. You're that, right. So I'm that's sorry that's, that's no no that,
1: that that's a huge part of it. The other huge part of it is the fact that Barkley has also grown into some sense of of, of gelling with this line because he continues to amaze people over every week with his runs. And as he continues to do that behind the line, because you got to give him credit too. He also makes plays when there's nothing there. Oh, let me ask you a question, Paul. And
0: and while you're on the line with us, uh, both, both guys, why has, has Barkley changed? Is it just because the offensive line is opening up? Let me hear your answer, Paul.
1: Well, it's it's Barkley's maturity. He now is starting to trust the Bingo. offensive line. That's the word.
0: Paulie, that, Paulie, if
7: I had if, – if, uh, Russ, if you would ask me that question first, that's, that's no, what I was prepared it, to it, say. It's, it's trust. trust. It's trust. These tr- guys. So you can – you know, the hole may not – when you know, having played – when the hole may not look there when you first get your hands on the ball. Exactly. But you just trust that in that next yard and a half. Well – You know, but, that but, boom, something's going to open up that, and then this this – just unworldly talent takes over, okay. but it all begins. He's trusting the run call, and and even though it's you know it may not appear to be there at the first time he takes his hands off, and mm-hmm. you know, when he takes the hand off, he just trusts that it will be, and in that next burst of of energy, boom. And there's you know, a th- third, and then and then forget it. There's I a know, third there's a
1: third component to this before you go, and that right. is, not only do you have. This collection of guys and the maturity of Hernandez. Then you got the Barkley thing with the trust. And the third item, the third item not to be ignored, is the coach now starts changing his play selection based on what he believes those guys can get done. And now suddenly he's opening up different parts of the playbook and they're calling different styles of plays. They got Eli under center more. They can call more play action. And what does that do? That makes the defense look at a wider variety of plays and they got to be more concerned about it. And they're on their heels. Thanks for the This call is team. all Thanks. part of the same deal.
7: Thanks, guys. One last thing before I go is and, and, and to add to that equation. Are the tight ends? Let's not overlook yeah, the tight no, ends. I no, know Simon's. No Simonson had a couple of penalties, but uh, boy, he had a couple of huge, huge blocks uh, as well. It's uh, a collective effort, and let's not leave out you know uh, you know uh, uh, um, the two tight ends, Ellison and, and, and Simonson. I mean, I had right, to those Jimmy. guys too.
1: Thanks for the call, buddy. Thank you very much. All right, we just spot, and then I want to add something to this, please. You got you got to do this right? No. Oh, you did it already? Yeah. I'd have forgot. Where you been?
0: <laughs> I told you that age is starting to kick in. It is great starting great to kick in.
1: I want. I just want him to go back. If you get an opportunity to go, I don't know if you have NFL Game Pass or if you DVR the games or whatever the case may be, just to give you an example of Will Hernandez and how far he has come. There was a goal line play against Tampa Bay a couple of weeks ago, where Hernandez, as the left guard, okay, pulled out to the right side. And obliterated McCoy, who is one of the best defensive tackles in football. The dude is a Pro Bowl caliber player. He came out on on a pull and wiped him out. Horizontally, just boom. Pushed him about two and a half to three yards horizontally out of his position. Excuse me. That's what Will Hernandez is, and what happened? Barkley ran right through that hole for a touchdown. Well, it was
0: beautiful. I, I, again, you know, the coaches had said the, a couple of things. No, number one, uh, a running back needs to have confidence and trust in the offensive line. That's one, and and we're not just talking about breaking big plays, but the trust to know that. That's why they wanted they wanted Barkley. If see, if you don't have trust. You're not going right to the hole. You're doing a little jitterbug, and, oh, it's not there, so I want to try and make something happen. And they were encouraging Saquon, go get those three and four yards. You know, because remember something. At the first half of the season, I don't even know what the number is now, but the first half of the season, he had more negative yard rushes than anybody in the league. Think about it. We had a superstar running back without a running game. All of a sudden, you have a running game, which opens up. It, it's it's like s- simple math. You have a running game. It opens up the, the passing game, which allows you to play action. And if you're giving Eli play action, you're playing to Eli's strengths. It's as simple as that. Columbus, Ohio. Let's check in with Adam. Adam, you're on with Russ and Paulie. How are you doing today? Hey,
8: guys. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing today? Good. What's going on, Adam? I uh, just wanted to share a couple opinions on the on maybe the media and then uh, a, a little more football-pointed question. But I had read um, from a number of people, a number of tweets on the Giants thread, players about an, uh, a speech that Odell gave at halftime that lifted the team and kind of rejuvenated everybody mm-hmm. and maybe set the tone to come back and win. And I love the kid. I love his positivity. I love his passion and, and all the intangibles. And all I could think of is if you employ the reciprocal of that and – Someone had said there was an argument with Odell at halftime. There would be a feeding frenzy in the media, but something <laughs> probably you don't even hear about. You're right. <laughs> you're 100%. But you know what, Adam,
0: if you're a listener here or watcher, uh, you, you've heard me say it all the time. It, it goes in any sport. I always would use a guy like Paul O'Neill with the Yankees when he was playing. If if you got a guy who's fierce and th- throwing or kicking his feet or smacking his, throwing his bat down and you're winning and you're a good ball player, they love that intensity, you know, if you're producing. And if you're having a bad game and you're striking out, see, the, you're fiery and that intensity got the best of you. What's well, the same thing? You know, when people have agendas and, you know, social media just adds to it, sure. that's what happens.
8: Sure. And it's, you know, a I, I, uh, similar note, I, I saw on a, uh, Aaron Rodgers and Ben Miss wide open guys in the end zone I watched Wentz, uh last night um, Absolutely throw a horrible Interception in the end zone and If Eli Manning does that all of a sudden It, it evolves into a referendum on his career In the Hall of Fame and where the Giants may have Missed in the draft if one of these guys do it It's just kind of well that's that's a great quarterback just making a random mistake. Like it's, it's just such a double standard. It's frustrating to watch. To well,
0: some- well, it's a double standard when you have an agenda. And and, and that, listen, there were two – what was um, – not this week. Last Well, this week they played Sunday night. Last week, who did the Steelers play? It was the end of the game. Wait. And and uh, Ben threw a pass just over the middle. They were they were going. Th- I think they were going in for the tying touchdown. Uh, who find out who they played?
1: I'm they, going through. They, it. Go they,
0: ahead. they were going in for the tying touchdown. And and he threw the pass. And and, and it was intercepted by a, a defensive lineman. Had any had Eli thrown that pass? Oh, they would w- w- would have wanted to run him out of town, tarred and feathered. Denver. They yeah, lost the last Denver. two games against was Denver.
1: Denver and the Chargers. Yeah, Denver.
8: Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you 100%. It's, it's tough to watch. It's it's frustrating, but, you know, it is what it is. Look, you, you win as a family. You win as a team. It is what it is. Let the outsiders be. You, you, you
1: know what's funny, and and, and I don't want to waste your time on this, but I'm going to say it quickly. Roethlisberger has had a better offensive line with the Steelers over the last six years than Eli has had with the Giants. What are you talking about? I mean, he's got okay.
0: arguably three Pro Bowlers on
8: the line
1: this Okay, year. exactly. And so – you know, even though Ben and Eli are in the same draft class and basically they're the same age, you don't hear about Ben being too old because he's always had an offensive line and a really good running game to help support him. But Eli doesn't have a great offensive line and he hasn't had a great running game to support him. And, oh, gee, Eli's too old. He should think about getting out. It's It's a joke. It's a joke.
8: Somehow Eli's managed to only miss one game over the exact same span of time. Exactly. So I, point that out too, but, I know. Uh, I know. Let me, let me shift gears here to football. Uh, a couple of the uh, immediately previous qual- uh, callers touched on it a little bit. Will Hernandez and the line doing well. Uh, it's fun to watch this because it's, it's almost like you're kind of seeing these rookies start to evolve and grow up. And it's <laughs> encouraging to see what's going to happen in the years to come. But, when um, when would the Giants? I don't know what the timing is on this or how it works, free agency signing and whatnot. But when would they take a look at a little more seriously, trying to extend this guy Brown? Is that something they might try to get a jump on before the rest of the league does, or is that something that they can? Well, I, I don't, uh,
0: I, Adam. I don't think. And thanks for the call, buddy. We got because have a few minutes left. We got to take a few other calls. They're not doing anything with him now, but I'm sure they're taking a hard look. And I I don't think you got to be a genius to figure out he has had a very profoundly positive effect on the offensive line. He's a young guy. I believe, Paul, he's 24 years old. I mean, they're going to want him. So I I, I would be, uh, I mean, is the word shocked? I'd be surprised. I I, I, I can't be shocked anymore. That's the way the league is. But I would certainly be surprised if uh, Jamon Brown is not re-upped, wouldn't you? Be shocked. Okay, yeah. I mean, that, that's, he's just been too much of a positive effect. Let's go up to Maine. Uh, got a couple of more minutes here. Four or five. Uh, check in with Jason. Hello, Jason. You're on with Russ and Paul. Hey,
7: guys. How you doing?
0: How you doing, bud?
7: Good. Hey, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Paul because he, he had this punter. He was bragging him up for a long time, and now he's
6: you know certainly come through, hasn't
1: he? <laughs> oh, you, oh, you mean Rosas the kicker.
6: Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I remember, you, I remember I, I, you had a lot to say about him before this year
7: that you really saw that much potential in him, and now we're seeing it.
1: Yeah, Riley Dixon I can't take credit for. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take credit for him, but Fiegels and I were the two people who were back in Rosas from the get-go. So yeah, you're absolutely right, and here's what I will say, and thank you for, for remembering. The thing about Rosas is that when you watch him at practice, and when when we had the opportunity over the course of of the summer last year and then obviously when he came back this year in camp, when he kicks the ball, it just explodes. I mean, it really rocks off his foot.
0: That's why he made the team when he made the team. Well,
1: yeah, because he truly is. He's a rare talent. You don't give up on guys like that. It's up to your coaches, and it's up to him to mature and hone those skills because you know he's got it in him. And a big thumbs up to Rosas for bringing out the best in him. You, you, you
0: know what? You uh, brought out a very good point, though, before. And that's not, um, that's not the first time something like that happened. If, if a guy, a young guy comes up and, and misses in a crucial situation one or two, sometimes he doesn't get a chance to get out of Dodge alive. And, or, or sometimes you're in a kickoff with somebody and you just miss a few field goals and the other guy doesn't. If you're in training camp, that's what happens. So, yeah, Jace, I mean, Rosas, he has been the real deal. And uh, like, like I said, he has been money. All, you know, cash it in when he comes in. And, and when you have a field goal kicker like that, hey, that's one less thing for the coaches the entire coaching staff to worry about. Thanks for the call, Jason. Got to run. Okay, let's Thanks. go. Let's go down to Florida. Check in with George. Hey, Georgie, you're on with Russ and Paul.
9: Hey guys, what's happening? What's going on? Okay, I wanted to ask, uh, Paulie, uh, do you consider Sterling Shepard actually as a as a a boundary receiver that that is a bigger threat in the passing game than let's say like we used to have with Plaxico and uh Amani Toomer or even Amani Toomer and Ron Dixon. Yeah, that's a blast from the past, right? <laughs> Ron, Ron Dixon. Dixon. Wow. <laughs> Do you remember back in Remember the Rod Ron, Ron, Ron Dixon
1: made his mark really as a kick returner yes. more than as a receiver. Did, did of course, the it? other I problem. Know, you know, the I know. Bowl. Yeah, the, the other problem that he had, uh, he, he he had a broken alarm clock that would force him to habitually be late for practice, and yeah. somehow he could never get his hands on a new one. <laughs> I never understood uh, that. No, no, no. But well, go but ahead. What
9: I'm saying is, when he was actually involved, the, the offense began to pick up, you know. Be You know, they were, they were fearsome for like five games, in, in, including that San Francisco choke. unfortunately. But what I'm trying to say back yeah. to my point is, is Sterling Shepard good enough to be the uh, possession guy opposite uh, Odell on the other side with the, Ingram at tight end?
1: The issue you have with putting Shepard outside is, as a slot guy, he exactly. can be a mismatch against many other teams' third corners. Okay, right. because he's that good of a route runner, and he's that quick, and he, and he's that smart. He really understands his craft very well. And you also right. give him the opportunity to go both ways on the field. If you stick him out on the boundary, he can now be physically beaten up in a mismatch by another team's corner. So you're That's actually you're limiting his potential on a given play if you put him on the boundary. You
0: know what, George? Uh, It's funny. It's kind of ironic that you brought up Sterling Shepard because just before we got here, Paul and I were talking uh, during lunch, and we just started talking about different guys, and we both immediately said the same thing about Sterling Shepard. Not only is he a very, very good receiver at his position, but the ultimate team guy. He really is. He, he is oh, a terrific, uh, just a terrific team player. He, you know, and trust me when I tell you this, his coaches, his head coach really appreciates that. Really
9: appreciates that's, that. that. That's awesome. But uh, <clears throat> the only thing I'm trying to think about here is, is like, do you remember remember when Plaxico and Amani were out there, and they were always there? Plaxico was the deep threat. Amani was the uh, possession guy with decent speed, and you know when we had Jeremy Shockey there as well, the, the offense clicked because the offensive line was able to, you know, give him Eli time. And right. when he had Tiki Barber, they were pretty explosive as an offense. Well, I, I'm just are are, are we the, are we one piece away from being that explosive again?
0: Oh, I think we're explosive. I I just think it's a matter of and, and Georgia, we got to run. Time is up. Okay. Uh, c- call again. I, I I think it's a matter of making sure that explosiveness continues to be consistent. They've just won three out of four, okay? I mean, it's just, it's no secret. It has started with the offensive line. Quarterback has times to throw the ball. That's why you're seeing consistency in that part of the game. Anyway, that is indeed a wrap on today. I want to thank our man handling the board today, Dan Salamone. Uh Paulie Dots. I'm Russ Salzberg. As always, thank you for being part of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. I will be back here with you tomorrow. Until next time, it is bye-bye, so long, and farewell.